He's an eight, but he's Republican. He's a zero. Salon posts on Facebook, quote, if you don't identify as a man or a woman, you can go to the pet groomer. You are no longer welcome here. My nine-year-old son went in first, and the first thing this woman asks him is if he identifies as a boy, a girl, gender fluid, or non-binary. Hey everybody, I'm Brad Palumbo and welcome back to Damage Control, my new podcast where we are reclaiming the LGBT community from the insane leftists who have taken it over. My guest today is transgender YouTuber Sarah Higdon, and we dive deep into the UK's latest insane policies in the trans debate. Plus, we dive into more fallout from the Supreme Court's big gay rights ruling and react to some viral TikToks. If you're new here, be sure you're subscribed, hit that like button, comment, I read the comments, I want to know your thoughts. Yada yada yeah. Now let's jump into it. Sarah, thanks so much for coming on Damage Control. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it was great. We having you on my channel the, a couple weeks ago, and it's great to be here. And uh, it's gonna be great to see you this weekend. Yeah, we'll both be at Freedom Fest. So if anybody's gonna be there, hit us up uh, and come to our speech. Actually, that we're doing. But uh, I want to talk today about a couple stories out of the United Kingdom, which has really seemingly just lost its mind and in a way i'm concerned that it might be a precursor of things to come right the uk is very similar to the united states but they're a little further along on the trans debate and the trans discourse and some crazy stuff is happening so i want to get your take on this as a as a transsexual person with pretty common sense views on these issues this first story it's quite something. So this is reporting from The Telegraph in the UK, and it says, Refusing to fund your partner's gender transition could be domestic abuse, according to the Crown Prosecution Service, which is a branch of the UK government. The CPS has listed nine types of behavior which could amount to abuse of trans or non-binary people by their partners or members of their family. These include withholding money for transitioning, which would also include either the spouse refusing to pay for gender surgery, counseling, or other treatment in a way that amounts to coercive control or abuse. Other behaviors could be, quote, criticizing the victim for not being a real man slash woman if they have not undergone reassignment surgery, or threatening or sharing pre-transition images, or refusing to use their preferred name or pronouns. Now, <laughs> this is really jarring to me i what's your initial reaction yeah it's interesting because um if a spouse doesn't want to be with a trans person then why are they still with the trans person now if they're just dating it's a little bit different story but if you're married to somebody i mean i if you are married to somebody and you come out as trans you know that is a grounds for divorce because essentially you entered into this marriage um, almost fraudulently, you know, misrepresenting who you were. That so fraudulently feels a little harsh because maybe they felt like they couldn't I be agree. who they were. But <laughs> well, I I've been there, so I I get it. I was married, um, okay. and I entered into the marriage in the same sense. And so yes, there was a point where you I I've hid this in my entire life, and so but in terms of the law. That's what I'm looking at in terms of actual right. law. It's like you didn't, you were not completely upfront, and and this is one of the things that I had to deal with myself was being like, yes, I misled my ex when I got into this marriage, and I fully have accepted that, and we we've moved from that. But 
it was a point where a spouse has the right to know who they're marrying before they marry them. And so this could be grounds for divorce. Yeah, look, I mean, the way that I interpret it is if my boyfriend, right, who I love and support, and I this isn't going to happen, but if he did come out as trans, I would support him, but I couldn't be with him because for him yeah. to go through a gender transition and present as female is not what I'm attracted to as a gay man. And that wouldn't be transphobic, nor would it be abuse. Now, it is interesting that this comes in the context of they are still married and you're refusing to fund their transition. But I mean, a part of a marriage is kind of a financial partnership in most cases. So it's like often mm-hmm. it's pretty common that they, you refuse to fund something unless you both agree on it. That seems kind of crazy to me. But the really crazy part is that threatening or sharing pre-transition images or refusing to use their preferred name or pronoun uh, could get you afoul of the law in the United Kingdom. That's like well, a free well, speech issue. Yes and no, but you think about this, a lot of this stuff would be considered abuse no matter what relationship you're in, right? Like threatening to with, with, like, release information about your spouse because you don't agree with something that they're doing or you or you want to force them to you know, do something that you, you, know, you, you don't want them to or any of this stuff could be considered abuse in whatever relationship. Blackmailing your spouse essentially would be abuse. But is it's sharing pre-transition images abusive? Because like... That would mean posting your wedding photos would be abusive. Well, and I think it would have to deter. It would have to be, you know. That's a good point. You know, the thing is, is a lot of people. I don't think. I mean, if 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 it was a threatening way to post um, pre-transition videos, right? Blackmail, of course. Would yeah. be abusive. And I think that's really what they're trying to get at with the law. But, you know, consensual p- posting of pictures and stuff like that, that's different. But there is something about, you know, posting images, any images of other people online without their permission that is could be deemed inappropriate. Uh, yeah, I will say, though, on the using the, the, the not preferred pronouns, one might consider that mean or rude, but it certainly within your free speech rights to use whatever pronouns you yes. want for somebody. And so to have that be a matter for the Crown Prosecution Service, to me, is or or kind of Orwellian. I mean, that sounds like a dispute you need to yeah. have with your spouse, and you probably shouldn't be with them if exactly. they're not willing to <laughs> go along with your pronouns. But that's not a matter for the prosecution. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, if it's... if I think... Where where we look at this is it's like that, I mean, you get into a fight fight with your spouse and you're like, you use the wrong pronouns just because you know that's what's going to get under their skin. That happens sometimes in relationships. So to use that and then take it and be like, I'm going to take you to court because of this, it, it you're right. It does seem very Orwellian in that sense that they are going to prosecute somebody for using the wrong pronouns against somebody um, now, if it is a matter of they are degrading and, uh, you know, using the wrong pronouns just to literally abuse, like, I mean, there is a clear line between abuse and just, you know, a simple fight that, you know, you, you, you try to get under the person's skin. I think there's there there's a little bit of nuance when it comes to that, but still it's not, I mean, 
you should leave the spouse at that point. It's kind of like any abusive relationship. At what point do you just leave the spouse? And at what point does it become a charge against the other person? Yeah. I mean, unless there's literal violence or abuse or something, it seems like a matter for people to resolve among themselves, whether that's leaving the person, <laughs> forcing them, but calling in the prosecution from the, <laughs> the government seems just wild to me. And I always look over at the UK and I see them doing all sorts of Orwellian speech related stuff. Uh, and I'm just like, this would literally yeah. be us without the first amendment. It would, it, they're basically very similar yeah. culture, language, politics, but they don't have a First Amendment and you just end up in this crazy town territory. Yeah, I think Canada's the the biggest threat, the biggest scare to me when it comes to things because um, the UK is really interesting because they are ahead of us on this trans stuff. I mean, most of Europe is ahead of us on the transgender ideology stuff. But they've all kind of gone away from, you know, medicalizing and transitioning children now. And we are still doing that. Yet they are still going so far as to restrict free speech rights. And so in one aspect, they're doing the right thing. And then in the other aspect, they're doing the exact wrong things. Um, now, Canada has the all the wrong things going on. They're the still transitioning children. <laughs> and they have, um, you know, the Orwellian speech stuff. But that's moving here. The Orwellian speech stuff is moving here. We saw, actually, your state of Michigan, <laughs> the uh, the new pronoun laws in Michigan. Yeah. So those will, the, the difference is though they'll just be struck down in the courts. They won't. They they can pass laws mm -hmm. like that, but they were they will not stay in place. They will probably never even go into effect because they'll get challenged yeah. in the courts. That's the thing. Like politicians in the U.S. absolutely try to violate our free speech often. But as long as the First Amendment is enforced by the courts, which it hasn't always been in this country, for a long time it wasn't, but when it is, and this current Supreme Court is pretty good on free speech issues, um, something yeah. like that Michigan law, if it does become law, I believe it's only passed one branch of the legislature, but uh, the if house, it does, yeah. it would be challenged immediately. And that's the difference, right? It's not that our politicians yeah. just want to respect our free speech because they take their oath very seriously. And no, it's that we have an adversarial legal system that slaps them down, which is part of what scares me that like a lot of people in our politics want to destroy that system, pack the courts, you know, strip the Supreme Court of their jurisprudence. I got into that a bunch last week, but the courts really are a bulwark at this point and protect a lot of our freedoms. So I, I'm for a more activist Supreme Court when it comes to protecting our Bill of Rights. Um, and so I think that's what we would see in those cases. But I want to talk next yeah, up of this, this another story from The Telegraph, which is, again, this big British newspaper that gets into a very thorny issue in the trans-related debate and issues. The headline is, male sex offenders, quote, faking trans identities, end quote, to move to women's prisons. And the story reads... Jailed male sex offenders are faking transgender identities in an effort to move to women-only prisons, research backed by the Ministry of Justice suggests. This is, of course, in the UK, not in the US, though it's starting to trickle in and become an issue here as well. Uh, the moves were disclosed in interviews with prisoners who had already transitioned and felt the, quote, fakers were a threat to their reputation and to the limited resources available to them in custody. Inmates who pretended to be transitioning saw it as a way to lower their risk and try to secure a place in the female prison estate, according to the evidence in Earth, unearthed by Inside Time, 
the prisoner's newspaper. Last year, there were 168 legally male trans women prisoners in England and Wales. Only six were in women's prisons, with the remainder in men's. A further 11 prisoners had legally switched gender by obtaining gender recognition certificates. And of course, the figures show that men jailed for sexual offenses are twice as likely to identify as trans women than men jailed for other types of offenses. Now, the Ministry of Justice has introduced tougher rules after a controversy in Scotland over the decision to send Isla Bryson, a transgender convict who was found guilty of raping two women before transitioning to an all-female prison. Yikes, oh my gosh. <laughs> the new rules mean yeah. that transgender women jailed for violence or sexual assaults are no longer able to be held in mainstream women's prisons. So this is such a messy issue for me, but I do think this is the kind of thing where it's a little bit of an I told you so in that people were pushing back on this a while ago and saying you're going to have people who abuse this if you allow trans women in women's prisons. And now we have an issue of people who aren't actually trans women, but it's of course all self-ID in many of these countries where you have to get your gender recognition certificate, but it doesn't take that much to do that. And then they can go in the women's prison, uh, in, at least in the past, they could, even if they were a, a sexual predator. I mean, that seems nuts to me. Yeah, and it's not even just happening in the UK. Like you said, it's happening here. We had a case in California last month where a a person that had, had actually transitioned, um, it was they murdered a lesbian couple and their son in California and they were just placed in the the women's prison last month um and so it's it's a big issue whether uh, whether it's whether they're faking it or not but we it is it's like we we you know you were not allowed to say online that people would fake a trans identity simply to get into the women's prison to have an easier time in prison when even um I remember Ariel did a video a couple months yeah, maybe six months ago, that brought up the stats of how many people detransition once they leave prison. And it was a staggering amount. And so it was showing, and you're right, the number of it, the number of people that go into the female prisons, they have a staggering amount of sexual assault cases. And it's like sex offenders that are going into the female prison. They're getting these, you know, an easier time in prison because and it's and it's like basically you can make these people victims i mean we've had people in prison we've had women in prison get pregnant from sex offenders because while in prison because this person still has their male anatomy and still is offending while in prison and yet they were saying that this doesn't happen doesn't happen very often um and it should be, there should be, I mean, there's a simple answer to all of this. It's like, I, I, I advocate heavily for LGBT wards of prisons. And then you can, then you also take severity of crime on it. If you rape a woman or you, if you rape someone or kill someone, you go into the men's prison. It really, I, I really don't really care what happens at that point once you, if you've committed these heinous crimes. But in LGBT ward of prisons for the rest, because actually... Trans women and gay men are the highest risk population for assault in prison. So why wouldn't you put them kind of in their own ward together? I would have no issue with that. I will say it's hard because I would never want to put a legit trans woman who's been transitioned for many years into the men's prison. That's crazy. You'd be putting, you'd be setting them yeah, up. Yeah, I guess to I'm be... just a little cat. <laughs> 
I guess I'm just a little callous because of like what the severity of their crime would be that I would, I would say do that. <laughs> well, but I guess it depends on, um, obviously, you know, I'm not going to feel too bad for a convicted murderer with DNA evidence, but there's a lot yeah. of crimes on the books that are far short of that. And I'll just say like a exactly. fully transitioned trans woman who was trans well before going to prison Putting them in the men's prison is a terrible idea. They would be a number one target for uh, abuse and yeah. violence and sexual assault. And they would be totally. And, and when you are, there's already a huge problem with sexual abuse in the prison system for men, for women, for everyone, but especially in the men's prisons. Um, and when you're sentenced to jail, I'm somebody who believes in, you know, law and order, but also in reasonable criminal justice reform. When you're sentenced to go to jail, being sexually violated is not part of your prison sentence. You have a right to be free yeah. from that, even while incarcerated. And that right is completely fell. We fail to uphold it right now. And so even a trans woman who is sent to prison shouldn't be put in harm's way, in danger. And so yeah. maybe it is an LGBT ward, although there could still be issues with that. Um, but maybe I think post-op trans woman who was trans for five years before going to prison or some benchmark to, to sort out the fakers, um, maybe they should be allowed in a woman's prison if they don't have male anatomy. But you have to have some sort of rule. You certainly shouldn't be go to jail, then announce your transition, and then be transferred. That is just yeah so ripe well, for abuse and just totally unworkable. Well, that brings up the efficacies of, you know, transitioning somebody on the state's dime as well. Like if you're already in prison and then you announce a trans identity, you're going to be transitioned on the taxpayer dollars of the money that they already steal from you. Like, you know, I don't I don't think that's right. <laughs> I mean, if you you should I, I if, if there was any leeway that we would give, it would be to people that were trans transitioned before they went to prison or transitioning right yeah i agree but it's a really messy issue and it's one that a lot of the trans activists just want to pretend does not exist right if you talked about yeah. this yeah they would say that's a conspiracy theory that never happens and now we have literal research from the uk government saying this is an issue and they are ahead of us so it's it's not super common here yet, but we have a few incidents and it's going to become more common as these blue states go all in on yeah. self-ID and just open the floodgates. And so uh, people are going to raise heck about it. They are. They are going to uh, be mad about it. And the progressives are just going to say, you're being transphobic. That's conspiracy. That's right wing nonsense, whatever. It's not. It might not be super common, at least not yet. But it's a real issue, and we're going to have to reach some kind of nuanced middle ground between everyone goes in the prison aligned with their sex at birth, right? That's clearly not fully workable in, in all situations, but neither is you go in whatever prison you identify as. Uh, <laughs> clearly, that's unworkable, but we have to have reach yeah. some kind of com common sense, like middle ground rules on this. And uh, because otherwise people are going to be put in harm's way. And that's just not something anyone should want. And, and the irony, too, is the trans women in prison were like were the ones speaking up and be like, no, 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 no. These people are coming in to make our lives more difficult. Right. And that's part of the issue, though, is they mess these stats up. 
because they don't necessarily determine who's trans and who's not when they're in prison. They will, if you go to a female prison, they will just link you with the entire prison population. So what you're seeing is women are being linked. It's like they're they're now linking women to more sexual assault. Like so, like sexual assault performed by women is up, but they don't take into account that a lot of those sexual assaults were committed by men or males. <laughs> Yeah, at least in the prison system, for sure. Um, and yeah. it is true. In this article, they quote several actual trans women in prison who are upset about these fakers because they're like, they're going to get us sent to the men's prison because <laughs> they're coming in here and they're that's violating what, people. And I feel bad for that. That's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing in, in general population as well. I, I mean, when you d- did the debate with Michael Knowles, you talked about the bathroom issue. That's what's happening. It's like these fakers are going into the bathroom and, and causing issues for actual trans people who have never had issues in the bathrooms before. So it's, it's right. very much the same as what we see in just general population. All right. I want to move on and talk about another crazy story. A Michigan salon announced a ban on trans and queer plus customers and of course, people are freaking out over this and blaming it on the recent Supreme Court decision. Take a look at uh, one of our favorite TikTokers. Michigan Air Salon is attempting to ban members of the LGBTQ community. Salon posts on Facebook, quote, if you don't identify as a man or a woman, you can go to the pet groomer. You are no longer welcome here. This comes after the most recent Supreme Court ruling. See, we said after Roe v. Wade that it was going to get worse, that the discrimination was going to get worse. And people said we were fear-mongering and we were ridiculous. Well, here we are, LGBTQ, next is disabilities, minorities. I mean, come on, this is getting fun. Yeah, so they're raising hell about this. They're melting down. A very popular liberal account, Brian Tyler Cohen, uh, tweeted, A Michigan hair salon says they're now banning members of the LGBT community after the Supreme Court's ruling upholding discrimination. Sharing this news story. And look, this woman is crazy who announced this. Uh, She she put out this pretty boomer Facebook post. Uh, It's Studio 8 Hair Lab in, uh, I think, in Traverse City, Michigan, which is not that far from Traverse City, yeah. Uh, And she writes, if a human identifies as anything other than a man slash woman, please seek services at a local pet groomer. You are not welcome at this salon, period. Should you request to have a particular pronoun used, please note we may simply refer to you as, quote, hey you, regardless of Michigan HB 4744, which is anti-discrimination law, and then she puts in parentheses, kiss my ass, Governor Witchmere, spelling it like witch instead of Whitmer. This is America, free speech. This small business has the right to refuse services. We are not bound by to any oaths as realtors are regarding discrimination. My recent airport experience validates this. Smiley face emoji. I have no idea what's going on here. I The airport experience, what? But this woman <laughs> seems very confused about what the law is and what it allows. And it 100% does not allow you to tell trans people they're not allowed in your store. That's illegal under Michigan law. And the Supreme Court decision only applies to expressive speech services, like printing t-shirts or something that involves speech. Cutting hair is not a form of speech. This is totally going to get blocked in the courts. It's got zero chance of actually being allowed to do this yeah but it shouldn't if you really think about it i mean i i think this is a good thing well one for 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 most people i mean last time i was in traverse city it was pretty hipster it's a very hipster city right last time i was there at least it was 
Um, and so it's interesting that this would be taking place there. Um, but I think that anybody should be able to choose who and who they don't serve. And I'm glad people are more open about it because if this was happening in my area, you know what I'd say? I'd say, thank you. I don't want to, I don't, I know where not to go. I, I'm glad people are being open about their actual beliefs because I don't want to force people to take my money. I don't want to force people that don't like me to take my money. And that's the way that, you know, the free market actually works. So I think that, you know, and what's going to happen is now that this is out there, some people will start going there, but they're going to see a huge backlash because it's not just people in the LGBT, you know, the, the, the queer community, essentially is what they're saying. The LGB is fine, but the queer community is, is not. And so what they're going to start seeing is a lot of these people and the people that support them aren't going to go there either. So, you know, your straight allies are not going to go to this place because they don't want to support a company that's, you know, discriminatory against people that they like and respect and their friends and stuff like that. So I think this is the free market solution. I think that everybody should be able to do this and at least be open about it. So, look, I would never patronize this business after they compare my trans friends to dogs. I think that's pretty offensive and rude. Yeah. And I would never support a store like this. So I agree. Uh, thanks for letting us know. And you're going to suffer in the free market now. But I will say is like, you can't just say na 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 boo boo to the laws that exist, right? Like, <laughs> this isn't allowed legally. You're going to get in trouble with the state and losing court. And she's literally just like na 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 boo boo. I don't care about your laws, Governor Witchmer. Like, <laughs> that's not a realistic approach to running a business. You have to comply with laws, or you're going to get hit with massive fines, or you might even lose your license to operate your business. And Frankly, I mean, that that's what you'll deserve for being such a dumbass and not even like trying to understand the laws before putting out this illegal statement, right? <laughs> um, now, yeah. <laughs> your, what you're suggesting about anti-discrimination law is kind of like a libertarian utopia where there are no anti-discrimination laws. Anyone can do business with whoever they want. I understand that position yeah. philosophically. It's just not where we are. And so I've always held the belief that if the Civil Rights Act is going to exist and going to protect religion, it should also protect sexual orientation and gender yeah. identity. And so I do support yep. those anti-discrimination laws. Unless we truly want to get rid of the whole book and go to a libertarian utopia, anything short of that, I want equality under the law, which means all groups protected, not just some groups and not others. Um, especially because your religion is a choice, but your sexuality is not. Um, so it's always bothered me that religion would be a protected class, but not LGBT. Now, I will say I do support, yeah. we talked about this last week with the Supreme Court decision, narrow exceptions for speech. But like, I really don't think, unless we're going to change our whole legal structure, that you should be able to put a no gays allowed sign in your window or no trans allowed. And that's essentially what this person is trying to do. And that's not allowed. And it really, under our current legal framework, shouldn't be unless we were going to just scrap the whole thing. Um, well, I and, I, and I, I advocate to scrap the whole thing. Just, right. you know, because I do think I, 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 it's, it's free speech, it's freedom of association, you know, it's all under the First Amendment. I said, you know, when the Cake Baker um, case was settled, I thought that, you know, the ruling was correct but it was on the wrong basis because they based it off of religion when an atheist should get the same ruling as, you know, a theist. 
Well, they based it off free speech based on his religion. It was a First Amendment case for the free speech clause, and that's what I support. I think it's unworkable if you can just invoke your religion and get out of anything. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, I, I, I hate this thing that they do, these libs, uh, and it's not all liberals, not all progressives. I know I get some comments. They're like, not all liberals. I'm a liberal and I'm not like that. And I hear you. I see you. But where they they take something like this crazy story out of Michigan and they put it up and they're like, see, this is what the Supreme Court has allowed. And like that is misinformation. If you read the Supreme Court decision, this is very clearly not allowed by that yeah. decision. And yet yeah. these same people will just do this fear mongering alarmism Yet they'll scream and moan about misinformation the next day. I hate it. It makes me so angry. Yeah, it is interesting. Well, what did abortion have to do with oh, any of this? Absolutely nothing. The TikTok video. But yeah, I mean, um, but you're right. The Supreme Court ruling itself was very it, it's always been like um like her business model was for weddings and it was talking specifically about not creating a site for a gay wedding. And the a same wedding, with the cake a baker. website is specifically, speech. It's words. Yeah. Well, and even the cake baker using his art to create something special, not just like buying something off the shelf at the store. He was okay with anybody buying stuff off the store, off the shelf, but it was creating something special for their wet, for a gay wedding, which is what he had an issue with. Those are those are different c- circumstances, and so to say, yeah, this is what happens. No, you're you're absolutely right. In the current system, in the cur- in the way that these Supreme Court rulings work, none of them would allow for you just to be like, nope, go ahead and do this. We, uh, you know, it's it's actually it, it it doesn't violate your religious beliefs to cut somebody's hair. You're right, unless the only way that this would be an exception is if it was for a gay or lesbian wedding like you were specifically like you did the catering services you did hair for weddings and you said i can't do it for lesbian weddings or i can't they do it ask for you to come that would be to the, the only exception and like do the you know how i, I i'm gonna sound like an absolute idiot man i have no idea what women do <laughs> but like they'll have like makeup artists or hairstylists come to the wedding pre-wedding and everything maybe that would be yes. like under this supreme court category but just we won't work with you go to the to the dog groomer is not allowed that's not protected you're going to lose in court you're making yourself look like an ass and a jerk and you're going to lose business and be boycotted and you deserve that uh and these people I, it's just not the alarmist story that they think it is and yet i'm seeing it all over my timeline now like, see the sky is falling just like we told you um but anyway well one we don't thing need to uh well one thing oh, about sure, this, go ahead. i was gonna say one thing one thing about this story though too is now where she might be protected is that she said, you can come here. We'll cut your hair, but we, we won't, you know, we'll call you, Hey, you, or whatever like this. So we, it, it, she actually almost clarified it to be, to where it would almost be within the law, but it's incoherent because like, she won't treat says, you with any respect. If you, <laughs> because she also says you are not welcome at this salon. <laughs> so True. she doesn't even, her demands don't even make sense. <laughs> Uh, you're not welcome here but we will accept you because of the law we have to but also but we won't screw treat the you law with any respect and screw governor Whitmer. <laughs> yeah. now is that is that law that she quoted i don't know what what law that was is that the uh the law that's in the house no, that just passed the house it, recently that is the pronoun bill law that's already passed that protects gender identity okay. as anti-discrimination i believe 
Um, so okay. she, then that's she's a lot different. Flouting, yeah, she's not flouting a proposed law. She's saying the <laughs> law that exists. Uh, and that's just not going to work out well for you. No. Um, anyway, no. that's enough. I do want to check in on queer TikTok because I look, my algorithm now that I do this show is plugged into queer TikTok and it shows me the content. And a lot of it makes me want to vomit. So let's roll this clip to show you just how much queer TikTok loves gay Republicans. He's an eight, but he's Republican. He's a zero and he's to get the f- away from me so quick. Oh yeah, that's a zero. I'm running, bitch. I'm sprinting away. Don't you just love the tolerance on display here and the open-mindedness? Right? Aren't they supposed to be the tolerant one? And and they just lump everybody who's a quote unquote Republican in the same thing. They also but call anybody who's not a hardcore liberal on every issue a Republican. I look, it's just so annoying to me because well, they'll call anybody they'll call anybody who's not you know a a socialist far right. right. I mean, we just saw that last week too. <laughs> so the issue I one of the issues I have with this is it's like you are. First off, you can date whoever you please, so you're well within your rights. And also, with the first guy, I don't think anybody's going to be too heartbroken that, that they're missing out on you. Um, but date whoever you please. But let's just you're, what you're essentially saying is that it makes them a zero. It makes them a totally unattractive, a terrible person that they dare think differently than you. That they dare be an individual with different opinions on everything from foreign policy to economic policy to abortion, to gun rights, all these things that have nothing to do with your LGBT identity. And yet you expect them, because of that one aspect of their identity, to have embrace a certain ideology. That's actually not progressive in any way. You're saying that an immutable characteristic should determine someone's entire personality and beliefs. You're stripping gays of their individuality, and yet you're calling that progressive and tolerant. I think it's really dis- bizarre. Yeah, this is the whole thing that we see online, especially all the time, is that so many people are so wrapped up in their echo chambers now, like deep into their echo, especially on TikTok. That's the one thing, especially on TikTok, because like you said, the algorithm shows you everything that's just like with what you want to see and what you want to believe. And so, I mean, I see this all the time on Twitter. I post anything on Twitter nowadays, and it's like I get at least one or two comments on just about any post that says, your opinion's invalid because you support the people that want to kill you. Like, they literally believe that Republicans are just out there wanting to murder trans and gay people. Like, that's what they believe. So this doesn't surprise me at all that they would be so, I guess, you know, intolerant. Um, but then there was, a, there was a TikTok not long ago where it was the, the, the female who was like, all the people I want to date are Republicans because they're... <laughs> yes. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it makes total sense, right? It's like, hey, maybe you should just open your horizons a little bit more. Maybe date an independent, like a right-leaning libertarian or something. Like, open your mind a little bit more to who you're dating. So I don't know. And you don't have to agree with your partner on everything. <laughs> don't. I will say, when you're in the business of politics and you do what I do or what you do, it's like, it would be pretty hard. It's one thing if, like, I'm a, I'm a business lawyer and he's a doctor or whatever, and yet we have different politics. But when your job is politics, it's kind of hard to be with somebody who's not at least somewhat aligned with you. So dating was a, a fucking nightmare for me. I got so much hate. So many people swipe left or would even just match to tell me to kill myself or whatever. 
just because yep. I was very upfront about the fact that I had right-leaning political beliefs. Because I was like, put this out there, because if they're not going to want to know, I shouldn't spring it on them. I made that mistake in college with one guy I dated, kind of easing him into it, but no, and then he freaked out. You got to just tell him up front, this is who I am, this is what I believe. And I would yep. get a lot of people swiping left, which is, again, their prerogative. But then I'd also get a lot of people just bashing me or hating on me. And it's like, I, uh, so it was a nightmare for me. And I finally did found, find someone amazing to spend my life with who has similar values to me. And, you know, we don't agree on every single thing, but we come from the same place in general. So, um, and I think that is important, but if you're not like a political person, you should be open to dating somebody with somewhat different views than you, unless you truly think half yep. the country is just evil in which case your brain is broken. You're drunk on partisanship, you're drunk on tribalism, <laughs> and you need to seek seek help. Yeah, it was interesting because, I mean, I, I find the same thing with uh, dating apps. Dating apps are, they're interesting because you match with people and sometimes um, then they realize who you are because they, they just swipe on the first picture or whatnot. But I do make sure, I have one picture in all my profiles that's me speaking at an OLF Turn Education event. And if you look up that organization, which was deemed a hate group by the SPLC last week, like you will understand, like you will know kind of where my beliefs are if you know that organization. And so that I do the same thing. Um, and then there's people that match and then they unmatch because probably most likely because they don't want to date a trans person. And that's fine, too. It is interesting. So I when I met my ex, um, we were um, I was a part of like the Tea Party conservative movement uh, before I became, you know, I was a Ron Paul supporter before, you know, but I wasn't, I was more of a neocon at the time. I was more, I couldn't get past Ron Paul's foreign policy. And so it was interesting because my ex is, was more liberal. She was more on, she probably voted liberal. I don't know exactly how she voted, but she was like a Ron Paul supporter, but also a Bernie Sanders supporter. So like one of those people. Interesting. But we just never talked she was not, she did not want to talk politics. I loved politics for me, even that time. And so I like to talk politics, but we just would never talk politics because um, it was not something that really ever even interested her. She was not into debate on this stuff. She was just more of a live and let live free spirit type person in that regard. So it worked for us. Our politics were never the issue between us. And so there is ways that you can date people that are outside, but you're right. If you if both of you are very, you know, politically involved and very into politics, then it could, it's going to cause issues. Yeah. But still, it doesn't mean like that person's a zero. I mean, I can say, you know, if if there's somebody on the left, like AOC, for example, she's probably a hard seven because, you know, she's very good looking, but she's crazy. But you can, I can <laughs> still separate the question of someone's beauty from their beliefs. Hannah cannot. Exactly. Hannah thinks. Yeah, I mean, Hannah simply cannot. She literally will go off about any old crusty dude who says something she likes. She'll be like, "Hot," and I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah." Well, that's also the difference between men and women, too, right? Men more look at the physical aspect of people, and women are more. What is that called? Like sapiosexual Sapi or something yes. like that? Where they more think... women are sapiosexual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they they are they are attracted to the brain of somebody more than more than the physical aspect, but it all still has to come together in a in a good combination. I agree. I do agree. Uh, and I will just say, these people love to say, and he's a zero. But I also will say, there's a category of liberal gay guy, and I know this from my time in D.C. 
who has like a fetish for gay Republicans. Like they're low, they would never admit it, but they're low key in your DMs. Uh, and that I experienced that a lot. That's not, that's not people who, who that's, uh, that's conservative straights too. Yes. Are very yes. Much like straight. Yeah. There's people. a lot of those in the movement. Um, <laughs> But I literally had people working in the top levels of progressive politics who would trash gay Republicans on on their Twitter timelines and then slide in my DMs. And I'm not a Republican, but they yeah. would view me as one because they view anyone who's not a lib as a as a far right extremist yeah. or whatever. So I do take it with a little bit of side eye. But regardless, you know, date whoever you want. Just just I don't like that they publicly castigate anyone who thinks differently within this community. No, I think it's really not cool. So. I want to shift gears and I want to get your thoughts on this viral video. This dad went off after the doctor's office, asked his young children about their gender identity. Take a look at this. I'm literally on fire right now. I just got off the phone with my wife who took my nine and seven year old boys to the doctor today to get physicals for tackle football and school next year and all that other shit. The first, my nine-year-old son went in first, and the first thing this woman asks him is if he identifies as a boy, a girl, gender fluid, or non-binary. My son, he's never heard of any of that shit before. You've been dealing with him your whole life. He is clearly a boy's boy. So what are you, trying to plant a seed in his head? The only thing I could be thankful for is that my wife took them instead of me. And props to my wife because she said something. And if she didn't, they would have asked my seven-year-old son the same damn question. This shit is ridiculous. And to the people out there to think that there's nothing wrong with that and I'm just a, a, a transphobe or all that shit, you're f***ed up. This is bullshit. And there's something wrong with you. All right, Sarah, your thoughts. I think, you know, I, I I feel for this guy because this is what we're seeing. I mean, his children should never, uh, doctors don't need to ask this question, right? For such a small population, if something changes in there and somebody identifies differently than what you think, then it's up to them to bring it to you. Like, he's absolutely right. Like, they they planted this. Like, are you a boy or a girl? It's like, a child who has never questioned that is going to start questioning it. You know, it's going to just be like, wait, I thought I've always been a boy, but what do you mean, am I a boy or a girl? And so I, I think it's it, it, it was very inappropriate um, on, you know, the doctor's part. And this is something that parents have a right to teach their children about. This is the same thing we see at schools, we see it everywhere else. And it's like, Everybody wants to inject gender ideology onto other people, and they don't realize, they think that, and I, and I wouldn't doubt if this doctor thought they were doing the right thing. This is something that they've kind of been instructed by, you know, their their guidance that they get from, like, higher organizations. But it's it's a, you know, it's a sign of a larger problem that is with the full medical organization. So maybe, I mean, this doctor... Again, if you've been seeing these children for their whole lives, then why would you think that anything has changed if they've never expressed any difference in the past either? So I I kind of, I understand where this guy's coming from. Yeah, I, I think I want to give the, the individual doctor in question a little bit of grace in that 
I have a little bit of insight into how this stuff works. They have may have been told from up above that they must ask this question to their patients. And so I do think though, it is an inappropriate question. It shouldn't be asked to young children. I understand the dad being upset about it. Um, I will, but what I'll say is, is like with an actually gender dysphoric child, right? Blair White has been on this show and she's talked about how as young as five years old, she can remember feeling like a girl and feeling like trapped in the wrong body. They don't need it planted in their head. They don't need no. it suggested. They don't need to be asked about it. They will come to you and say, I'm really a girl, right? And so I have a lot of compassion for the kids who struggle with gender dysphoria and the parents that have to make these really tough decisions and have gone down these medical pathways that we're now realizing more and more the kids shouldn't be going down, uh, but they were told by doctors that they should. Um, I have a lot of sympathy for those situations. But those situations don't require this kind of thing being pushed on every kid. They simply don't because they, those will emerge naturally. And instead, this kind of thing is only going to trigger backlash to trans people. And it's only going to confuse some kids, usurp parents' rights to talk about this stuff with their kids on their time and when they're ready. And it's just going to, I think, on net be much worse for the trans community and trans acceptance than it is going to promote it which is what I assume their intention is. So at the bare minimum, it just seems totally misguided to me. And look, I understand that, that why the dad would be upset. Yeah, I mean, and, and Blair has had the same experience as me. I knew from the age of four years old that something was different about me and that I wanted, I didn't necessarily feel like I was a girl, but I knew I wanted to know what it was like to be a girl like that's where it was like I, I i had a draw to be a girl um and so you're right people like these children don't need it implanted into their head they will come to you if that's something that they're feeling or they'll hide it like i did my entire life but you know <laughs> but we're in a situation where that's not necessarily the case anymore children are coming out and saying this younger and younger um Almost every transsexual that I know that's happy with their transition later in life knew at a very young age, but I always kind of conflate it to, you know, a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square because we have a high population of children that come out so early and say, I, I'm a girl or I'm a boy or the opposite sex, you know? And we also know that like 88% of those will end up just going on and living their lives after they get through puberty. So that's why... It's such, but it's, it's exactly what you said. Now, I always, I think that there is a lot of, I give a lot of people a lot of grace in these areas. Like you said, the doctor is probably being told from higher, this is what you have to do to take care of trans, this is what you have to do to patients, this is what you have to do here. I think there's a lot of people that are being misled down a road of acceptance uh, that they don't necessarily know, but they want to be compassionate towards uh, children who are having distress with their biological sex. Um, and so they're kind of going along and it's kind of like the, uh, they don't, they're not into, they're not perpetually online. They don't know all the studies. So they're just being told this. And so they're like, okay, well, this is the way that we, you know, show compassion towards people like this. Um, and so I do give some of these doctors a lot of grace, like you said, because they're probably not even making that decision. She probably didn't even realize why it might be a inappropriate question. Um, there was a hearing on a bill on the, uh, bill in, Louisiana, which we're trying to get past still, that the one of the school teachers in there said, when I told my, when I, when one of the kids asked me about my gender identity, I came out as they, them, 
five other people, five other students came to me afterwards. Am I supposed to just tell them that I can't talk to them about this? And it's like, yes, you don't realize that you literally just planted this seed into their head. And that's kind of where I think a lot of people are. They don't realize that they might be introducing a concept into these children and they're taking it into a way that is not actually accurate for what they're feeling, but they like a lot of children see it as a way to be accepted into certain spaces. A lot of children see it, you know, especially in schools. Kids are really impressionable. Well, and when you think about it, it's like kids get bullied. So, you know, and a lot of the kids that are transitioning, we have a high population of autism in in it. So they're not, you know, um, they have issues socially adapting sometimes um, when when you're on the spectrum, um, you know, um, and so sometimes they become outcast. And so what's a way to kind of get protection when you're an outcast? Identify into a category that you've already seen that the teachers accept. And so now you get special protection and special, um, almost special access to teachers. Those teachers will now like take you under their wing and protect you in certain aspects. And then you have acceptance. And so always linking it kind of to like the goth kids the scene kids it's always kind of the more the outcast kids it's not the cheerleaders that are transitioning it's kind of more the kids that don't belong somewhere and are generally bullied and so that's they're the ones that are kind of getting put into the situations and um then set down these roads to irreversible harm and so i think we you know society needs to take a step back especially when it comes to the children um which is why we are trying to do stuff across the country to protect the children. But um, I actually had a friend one time ask me about pronouns the same way. Like, and I just, and they said, well, do you think if we got used to asking everybody their pronouns? Because I said, as a, as a transsexual person that's taking the steps of transition, it actually gives me dysphoria if somebody asked me my pronouns, right? Like, I, you, you should know, like, what my pronouns are just by my appearance and, and the way I present myself. Um, and they said, well, what if we, do you think that would still be the case if, um, if we asked everybody their pronouns, I said, I don't think it's reasonable to ask everybody to make this exception for a very small, like less than 1% yeah. of the population. Like I said, if, if you identify as something different, it is on you to tell other people how you identify. Like if you can't tell, like I identify as a woman, then, you know, that's on me to be like, to correct you if you make an error. Like that's, that's as simple as it is. And I don't think we should, yeah, I definitely don't think people should be, like, asking kids, like, are you a boy or a girl? Like, you know, it's based on their sex. Come on now. Yeah, and the rare, rare exceptions where that kid has some gender confusion, they will have that organically. They won't need that suggested to them. So I think it's super misguided. Uh, I understand this dad's being upset. And unfortunately, I do think this kind of overreach, pushing stuff on kids is part of what's causing the backlash to trans people into the LGBT community at large, which I'm very concerned about because I want tolerance for everybody. Um, But we are seeing a decline in support for LGBT rights and acceptance. And we are seeing a backlash against even trans adults living their lives how they please. And I think it's in part because of stuff like this and the pendulum swinging back. And I'm, I'm pretty concerned about that. I agree. Yeah, it's there is a huge backlash happening against our community, and it, and you know it doesn't help, and and it doesn't help. I think a lot of the, um, I think the community as a whole needs to step up and stand out against this stuff. Like it's it's why do we see so much of like the 
stuff happening at Prides. Like the, the sexual deviancy at Prides is a huge example of this. It's like that's what's being shown, but there's not nearly enough people, especially on the left, that are standing up against this. There was a uh, Harvard Harris poll, maybe three or four months, three or four weeks ago now, that showed even 67% of Democrats are against the uh, medicalization of minors. And so that should be wow. something that should be pushed further and harder. Yeah. Um, I wrote that up. I wrote an article on it for the post millennial. I was actually writing an article about like the, the, the Trump Biden, um, polls. And then I was looking through the poll and I go, wait a second, this is a story. This, this is a huge story that 67% of Democrats and people are like, yeah, that's, but that's 33% that think it's okay. I'm like, yeah, but it's a lot lower than what we thought it was. And as well, 11% of Republicans think it's okay. So that's, that's the thing is like, and, and actually, it's like something like 73% of independents are against it. And so it's the same with like, it's like trans women and, and female sports is the same way. Like 73% of the population is against that. And so when you look at these polls and you see that society is completely going against it and they're blaming, you know, the LGBT community, like this is why, because it's not a popular idea, even among Democrats. And so even Democrats are going to start like being like, we don't want anything to do with that population. Yeah, that's why we need to do damage control on this community. Thank you so much, <laughs> Sarah, for joining me today. I've uh, really enjoyed having you. Folks, I will put a link in the description to Sarah's YouTube channel. Go subscribe over there. Sarah, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me, and I'll, uh, I'll see you in a couple of days. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Huge shout out to Sarah. Check out her channel. And I do want to, before we leave, address one thing from last week's episode. I've heard from a lot of people, a lot of viewers, gotten nice notes from a bunch of folks who watched last week's episode and had thoughts because they identify as asexual, and we had some commentary on the asexual rights movement last, last time out. I stand by the assertion that there aren't really any rights these people need are being denied and there's no need for woke activism on the asexual community's part. But I do want to make it clear that if you are asexual in whatever way that means to you, absolutely no shade intended. You know, live your life as you see fit. And I don't want to leave anyone with the impression that somehow we are judging you or think that there's something inherently wrong with you. Now that we've cleared that up, make sure you hit that like button, comment with your thoughts on this week's episode, subscribe, yada yada yada, and I'll see you all back next week for more Damage Control.